You know, tomorrow is the day we set aside as a nation to honor our veterans. So let me say this morning to all of you men and women who have served our country in that capacity, thank you. Thank you for stepping out in boldness and courage to do what so many others cannot. As I was praying over what to preach this week, I realized in the middle of planning that it was Veterans Day. Now, I'm not usually a preacher that stops on every special Sunday to to preach on that, but this week, it just so happens that I had already been led to a story about a veteran in David's army. Uh, The truth is that society loves stories of heroes. And you don't get many more heroic stories than those of veterans. Society has fed off those types of stories since it began. Stories of of bravery. Stories that seem to be almost not true. Almost impossible. Like the story of private first class Desmond Doss. Many of you may have watched the movie here recently. Desmond Doss won the Congressional Medal of Honor. He walked into the bloodiest battle of World War II's Pacific Theater with nothing to protect himself save for his Bible and his faith in God. He was a devout Christian and a conscientious objector. Doss had enlisted as a medic and he refused to carry a rifle. Um, He went through many, many things inside uh, the, the army because they did not believe that you could be brave and not carry a rifle. Um... He was ostracized by fellow soldiers, and he had to prove himself. He fought on the Maeda Escarpment in April 1945. The battlefield was on the top of a sheer 400-foot cliff, and it was fortified with deadly network of Japanese machine guns and booby traps. It was nicknamed Hacksaw Ridge for the treacherously steep cliff. And this was the spot that was key to winning the Battle of Okinawa. They, they said the mission was near impossible. And Doss's battalion was ordered to retreat. But he refused to leave his fallen comrades behind. Facing heavy machine gun artillery fire, Doss repeatedly ran alone into the kill zone, carrying wounded soldiers to the edge of the cliff, and then single-handedly lowered them down to safety. And every time he saved a man's life, Doss would pray out loud, Lord, please help me get one more. By the end of the night, he had rescued an estimated 75 men. Doss, being modest, figured he saved about 50. His fellow soldiers gauged it closer to 100, so they decided to split the difference and call it 75. What causes men like Doss and other veterans to run toward things others run away from? How often do those men and their actions go unnoticed? Teddy Roosevelt once said, Far better is it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory or defeat. How many of us today have heard the name Beniah? Maybe he's a guy that you overlooked. He's easy to overlook in Scripture. His name occurs five or six times in the Old Testament, but it's never more than a mention. Um, Benaiah was one of David's mighty men. He had stood by David his entire life. He lived by the principle that Roosevelt talked about, attempt mighty things. In 2 Samuel 23, we find a list of the mighty men. And in this list, the men are listed by rank. And Benaiah is about uh, five down. But his description says a lot about the man. The three verses are all that's written here, nothing more, and those three verses tell us so much. So this morning we're going to look at that example of Benaiah found in 2 Samuel chapter 23, 
verses 20 and 21. If you have your Bible, please turn there with me. If not, I believe it's on the screen. Uh, and it says, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was the son of a brave man from Kabzeel, a man of many exploits. Benaiah killed two sons of Ariel of Moab, and he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. He also killed an Egyptian, a huge man. Even though the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went down to him with the club, snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and then killed him with his own spear. These were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, who had a reputation among the three warriors. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, we praise you for your blessings. Father, thank you that there have been men and women who have accepted the call to go and lay their lives on the line for the freedoms we have in this country. Father, we thank you that even in your word we see examples of people who are willing to do great things in your name. Father, be with us now. Use me as a vessel. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. As I read this text, as I look at, at, at the stories like that of Private Doss, the question that I have to ask is, how big is your God? I'm struck by a faith of a man in the midst of battle, who would put his life on the line again and again and again, and in between each time when he would save someone, he would say, Lord, just let me save one more. How big is your God? As I read the text this morning, I'm struck by some humor here and some unbelievability of it all. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada. Jehoiada was a priest, so he's already set apart. He's from Kebzeel, and he did many great exploits. He killed two of Moab's greatest warriors. He killed an Egyptian with a spear, and by the way, he killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Now, I am, I have to say, he wasn't the odds-on favorite in any of these things. You know, he's number two to one, and he kills the Moabites. It could be said he wasn't alone. He was probably in battle. He knew other guys were coming, but still he killed two by himself. The Egyptian, usually if I have an average guy with a club and a huge guy with a spear, I'm going with the guy with the pointy stick. But Benaiah wins. He says he snatches the spear from his, from his hand and he kills him with his own spear. But the thing for me in this passage that really impresses me is the event that's kind of like a side note. He also killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Now, the other two, although they were great, could be seen as necessary. Probably happened during a time of war. Back was against the wall. He had to do it. But the lion, he chased the lion. The lion was a choice. He went down into the pit after the lion. Now, we don't know if he was armed. We don't know if he had much armor on. We don't know anything about his condition. We know that he didn't have a gun. This wasn't a safari. We know that he went down into a pit to catch a lion. Most people run from lions. I'm going to run from a lion. Lions can kill you. They have teeth. They have claws. They're pretty dangerous. Lions are faster than humans. They have better eyesight in a dark pit than humans. They've got more weapons naturally than humans. Most would run. Benaiah chased one into the pit to do battle. An animal that is faster, can see better, hear better, has better natural weapons, chase it into a pit, and to make things worse, it's snowing. 
I like cold weather. I even like snow. I'm not going into a pit on a snowy day. It's not going to happen. But Benaiah, he goes. You know, claws can grab an ice. we got a kitten at home. Claws can grab into anything. Flesh, everything. You know, claws grab in ice. Feet don't. Feet slip. But Benaiah, he charged down that pit all by himself. We don't know anything else. We don't know about the wounds, the lashes from claws. We don't know if, what Benaiah looked like when he came up out of the pit. Only that he was probably wearing a lucky lion's foot around his neck when he came out. I mean, what does it take? What does it take? We cannot call, by any means, call Benaiah a normal man. What makes a man charge into a pit chasing a lion? What makes a man run toward gunfire rather than away? What makes a man run into a burning building rather than away from it? How big of a God must he serve to do that? How big is your God today? A.W. Tozer said, A low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils, but a person with a high view of God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. A small God causes lots of problems, but a big God takes care of a lot of them. That's what happens when you see these things. It's also the difference between being chased by a lion and chasing a lion. If your God is smaller than a 500-pound lion, you're going to run away. But if your God is bigger than a 500-pound lion, you might just muster the courage to chase some lions. Now, I'm not talking a literal lion. Most of us aren't going to go chasing a literal lion. Don't please walk from here today thinking, Brother Troy told me to chase a lion and go find one to chase. I'm talking about those problems, those issues, those things in your life that are so big and so insurmountable you don't know how to overcome them. Those things that put you in danger physically, spiritually, emotionally. How big is your God? The problem we have in our lives, for most people, is that our circumstances start to do some weird things. We can't let our circumstances become our excuses. Our circumstances cannot become our excuses. Now, you ask somebody how they are, they're probably going to mention a circumstance. Uh, I'm good, uh, but, my, but I've had a headache. I'm good, but uh, I've just been really busy. I'm good, but, but I'm tired. We always mention circumstances. We always say the things that are happening. Circumstances get blamed when things don't go right. But there is no good excuse for failure or lack of progress. We have to get out from under our circumstances and get over our circumstances. Benaiah didn't use his circumstances as an excuse. He didn't complain about the circumstances. He didn't say, whoa, 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 it's snowing. Nope, God, I'm going to go somewhere else. He didn't say, that's a pit. He didn't say any of those things. He didn't call for a rematch. He didn't talk about how unfair it was. He didn't call out the referees. He didn't say, I'll wait till it gets better. He did what had to be done. Because the truth is, our circumstances are made to be overcome. Say that with me. My circumstances are made to be overcome. Okay, you are a Baptist. Come on. Circumstances. Hey, we did it. Woo! Our circumstances have to be overcome. We can't let our circumstances define us. We can't make our circumstances be the excuse that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. Because when there's a circumstance, it's meant to be overcome. It's meant to be tackled. It's meant to be brought down. Benaiah didn't use his circumstance as an excuse. Private Doss didn't use his circumstance as an excuse. Private Doss, I watched the movie last night. I didn't get enough sleep. I was up until 3 this morning watching Hacksaw Ridge. 
he's up on the top of that battlefield and he didn't say, I ain't got a gun. I don't have any way to protect myself. I'm just going to give up. That's not what he said. He even had a dream in the movie. He probably wasn't real, but he had a dream in the movie that somebody jumped in the pit with him and stabbed him in the heart with the bayonet. He still didn't pick up a gun. One time in the entire movie, they pick up a gun. He grabbed one of the soldier's guns to roll up on a fabric to haul him out. He used it as a leverage. He didn't use his circumstances as an excuse. Benaiah didn't use his circumstances as an excuse. He overcame his circumstances. How do we become lion chasers? We need to become lion chasers in the kingdom of God. We need to be lion chasers. We have to quit making excuses and rise above. We have to be willing to believe that God is bigger than the lion in our lives. We can't be spectators. We can't sit on the sidelines. We can't sit in our pews and expect great things from God when we don't attempt great things for God. We can't do that. I can't expect great things from God if I'm not attempting great things for God. You know, here's a Baptist history lesson. William Carey, the father of modern missions. That was the title of his sermon. He went to a particular Baptist association. And by particular, I don't mean a certain one. Particular means they were Calvinists. They believed it all in predestination. There was no other way in anything. And they didn't believe in missions at all. And he went to them and he said, we need to go to India. We need to go over there. We need to share Jesus with those people. And he said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. That's who we have to be. We have to be willing to chase lions. We have to become a church of lion chasers. But what are the steps? What are the characteristics of men like Benaiah and Private Doss that prove that their belief that God is bigger than the lion? Well, the first one is lion chasers are willing to do a hard thing. Benaiah was willing to fight a lion. He was willing to fight a lion. I'm going to fight this lion. I know that's a scary proposition. He was willing to chase the lion. That's just one of the hard things he does. You know what's hard in our lives sometimes? It's hard to reach this community. It's hard to reach the community. It's easy to sit back here, to come here on Sunday morning and to say, you know, I just don't know how. I don't know how to get in their homes. I don't know how to meet these people. I just don't know. It's easy to say that. It's a hard thing to reach the community. It's a hard thing to be God's light in a dark world. It's a hard thing to live the Christian life in this current culture. But your community is the people around you, your friends, your family, your coworkers, people like you, people you live your life with. We're called to win these people. We're called to get them involved. So many people leave the fellowship of the church with an excuse. There's no one my age. There's nobody like me. There's nobody there who even likes me. Well, chase them down, find them, and bring them in. Don't wait for your condition to change. Change your condition. Change where you are. You know, if, if, if we all got up and followed our emotion in the morning, we not might be here ever. It's so easy to get up on Sunday and go, oh, it's Sunday. Then you wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord, or do you say, oh, Lord, it's morning? That's the question you have to ask yourself. It's all about our condition. It's all about how we see things and how we do things. Are we willing to do the hard thing? Sometimes we have to make our own circumstances. We have to be willing to do the hard thing. We have to be willing to attempt those great things for God so we can receive great things from God. 
We have to be willing to do a hard thing. But lion chasers are willing to do a hard thing in a hard place. He went down in a pit. I'm not especially fond of holes in the ground. Um, we have to know that the battle's decided in the pit. have to know that our God is bigger than that line. And just because we chase him into the pit doesn't mean our story ends there. As I watched that movie last night, even knowing that the man lives, I kept thinking, he's never going to survive this. He keeps running back in. There's so many close calls. Can you imagine Benaiah? He runs in to the pit. We have an assurance. We have a way out. The God is bigger than the lion. We may chase the lion into the pit, but there's no doubt I'm coming out. I'm right back out. I'm not staying there. Have you been outside lately? Have you looked at our world? Have you looked at our world? Um, I'm struck by this because I'll be honest. Uh, this is a version of a sermon I preached eight years ago. And those words were in there. Have you looked at our world? It hadn't gotten any better in eight years. We live in a world that's falling apart. We live in a world that's crumbling. We live in a world that's full of darkness. And we live in a hard place. We live in the buckle of the Bible belt. I mean, honestly, everyone says they know God even if they never come to church. David Platt said, back when he was still pastor in there in his church, he said, you know, the hardest thing for me is I have to convince people they don't know Jesus before I get them to know Jesus. Because there's this nominal Christianity. It's part of society. And then you throw in our entertainment aspect, relativism, this party atmosphere, a selfishness, or a religious spirit. A religious spirit will stand against a true move of God every time, all in the name of religion. Religious spirit sounds righteous. It sounds good. But at its heart, it's against God. It was the religious crowd that killed Jesus. It was the religious crowd that stood against Bible translators who put the word in common language for the people. It was the religious crowd, the clergy of Charleston, who put John Wesley in jail for preaching Jesus. Satan has a stronghold on this world, but his reign of terror is coming to an end because we shall not be moved. We will not be swayed. We will see victory because Jesus is the victor. We can stand here and shake our fist at Satan and say, there's no doubt, Satan, I'm coming out. You can't have my family. You can't have my church. You can't have my community. No more. Your dominion ends now. I claim this in the name of Jesus. That's who we are. That's the hope that we can hold on to. That's what we can do. Because we have to be willing to take this world back for Jesus. Because we have to be willing to do, go into a hard place at a hard time. It's snowing. It's cold. It's icy. There's snow. And Benaiah goes in. Now, we've all whined a little bit in the last week because it got cold. It's going to get cold again tomorrow. But Benaiah was out there looking at danger, looking at the cold, looking at the pit. This was a hard place and a hard time. This world is changing. Satan is alive and kicking. He's deceiving people all the time. It's a hard time to be a Christian because... It's so hard, but it's time for the church to stand up and be the hands and feet of Jesus.
Benaiah could have given up, laid his weapons down, said, what's the use? But he didn't. He wouldn't give up. It's a story I heard about a man who was walking through a cemetery one night when he fell into an open grave. He jumped and he clawed at the walls and tried everything he could to get out of the hole. But he couldn't. He was so upset and so uh, off kilter that he didn't see the old drunk crouched in the darkness at the other end of the grave. And when the drunk finally spoke up and he said, there's no way to get out of here, I've tried all night, he got out of that grave. (laughs) The grave's just a rut closed on both ends. Ruts can't stop the church of God. We can't allow ourselves to be stopped. We are the army of God. My point is this, we can do better. You can be better. You can rise above where you are right now. It's not that there's something wrong with where you are. It's just that you were saved from the same old, same old. You were saved from sin. You were saved from circumstances. People say, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. Well, get out from under your circumstances. You've been delivered from those circumstances. God can provide wherever you are and whatever your circumstances. God provided manna in the wilderness. He provided victory to David in spite of his circumstances. He provided salvation through the circumstances of the crucifixion. Our God is big enough to take care of any lion you have in your life. We must become lion chasers to be effective in the kingdom. We must attempt great things for God so we can receive great things from God. We have to start changing our position to bring about a change in our condition. We have to be willing to do a hard thing in a hard place in a hard time. And all of that's dependent upon you believing that your God is bigger than the lion. We have to walk boldly from the pit and say to ourselves and our enemies, there's no doubt I'm coming out. Are you ready to become a lion chaser this morning? Are you ready to to take the kingdom back? To tell Satan he's no longer welcome in your home? He's not welcome in in your family. He's not welcome in your church. He's not welcome in this community. Are you willing to stand up and say, Satan, no more? We're not going to let the lion have his way anymore. We're going to go down into the pit on the snowy day and we're going to take it out because God has given us the victory. Is that where you are this morning? Because that's where I am this morning. It's time to reach this community for Jesus. To let people know that there is hope in this lost and dying world. That the blackness and the darkness that they see around them doesn't have to be the end. That like Ansley showed us this morning, if we know Jesus, we're raised to walk in newness of life. My life doesn't have to be what it was. My life can be what it is because Jesus has given it to me. Are you ready this morning? Maybe this morning you have a lion. And it's been been roaring. And you can hear it. Just roars. Debt. Medical issues. Unsafe family and friends. Marital issues. There's a lion and it's roaring. Now's the time to say, Jesus, lead me to defeat this lion. Maybe this morning. You just want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. I'd love to pray with you.
Maybe this morning you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe you've got some need that I haven't even brought up. Maybe there's something that has been just going on in your life and it's, it's time to give it to Jesus. Now's the time. But this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never made a step to say, I want to know the one who came to die for my sins, now's the time to do it. We're not promised tomorrow. We're only promised right now. God's waiting for you. He just wants you to, to look to him and go. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, let no one walk from here with a need that isn't met. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for promising the victory. Thank you, Jesus. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen.